0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to our podcast where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. If we have not met before, my name is Caleb. My name is Parker. And today we are going to be having a discussion (laughs) focused around the idea of what is the role of production within the church, mainly then kind of speaking to this idea of what is the role of things like audio, visual, lights, media, things like that. What's its role in the church and all of those things. Parker, you were the one that kind of came up with this topic Can you give us a little bit of insight? Why did you want to discuss this? Why was this a conversation you wanted to have?
1: Totally. For me, so slight background on myself. I I don't necessarily work in the church at all. I'm not employed. I don't work in ministry necessarily, but I am heavily involved uh, in both the youth program at our church, have been for ever since I graduated high school. as well as our worship ministry, both in the youth program and in the main service. Um, I play keys, I play bass. Um, I also uh, MD, also known as music directing, um, just helping the band guide, guide them along during the set. Um, and so in that, um, thinking about those things, I think a lot about um, what role production, lights, sound, media play within the church, and how we use it um, to spread the gospel? I think about it a lot, um, and in thinking about that, I think a lot about what is a healthy amount because there are certain aspects of it that, if we're not careful, can start to it can start making a service come across as a show. I've, I've gone to some services at some churches and not naming any names necessarily where it, 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 it's a production. In other words, like it's, it, it is a show that is meant to entertain that you come like, not that you buy tickets for, but like, you know, like that you could, you could see buying tickets for, and like that there, there is a pressure to have high performance and there is a, a pressure to do our absolute best in things, um, which I think that, um, as churches and as worship ministries, media, all that stuff, we should be striving to do our absolute best in all those things because we want to um, serve with the best of our hearts and we want to do the absolute best we can because we're serving God. So. There's that side. But at the same time, you don't want it to get to the point where it's manipulative either. Totally. So um, the question really is, what's a healthy amount um, of production in, in church ministries, and what role should it
0: play? Totally. Yeah, you know, when I end up thinking about these things, I'm not um, a worship person or anything like that but i'm a youth pastor at our church and for myself then i do have to think about these things when it comes to our environments for our youth services um and maybe even occasionally if i'm allowed to have some input on our main gathering you know just what is the stage looking like how are we creating these spaces and for myself the question always is, is are we creating a quality space? And so when you're wanting to create a quality space, you know, that looks like creating a non-distracting space, an engaging space, that sort of a thing. And so like for our youth space, we meet in a gymnasium, like an old gym, and we've now transformed it into a venue of sorts. We have uh, carpet tiles down and then we have like the scoreboards covered by plywood. I would love to rip that down actually though and have just the scoreboard and I just think that'd be fun. Um, But then we have like a sound booth built in there, all this stuff and we have a stage that's made out of spots. Now with that then, the reason why I'm saying this is, I then have looked at times and said, hey, how do we create an engaging environment? And that involves, you know, lights, it involves a projector, it involves having the media and stuff like that for our worship team to be able to get their, um, you know, moments of leading out to the speakers to make it so it's heard, like that kind of a deal. And one of the things for us has been, you know, finding that balance between creativity and distraction, I think would be the way to word it. Um, You know, what is effective and then what is becoming like you were saying, um, a show and that sort of a deal. And so I think maybe a way to start talking about this is what are the essentials of production within a service? What are some of the things that we would say, hey, you obviously should have that because it's going to help things be more effective.
1: Totally. I think that... um Well, I think you, you just need the essentials of, you need to be able to be heard. So like if you are a relatively larger church that has a significant amount of people that like, if you had no microphone, could you hear what was being said? Mm -hmm. Would it be easier and less straining on said pastors or worship leaders voice to have a microphone? Um, obviously there's the necessity potential necessity for that. I think things like projectors and various forms of those probably would come next to me so that you can put up, um, you know, bullet points and just various videos and, um, you know, stuff with pro presenter and PowerPoint and all that stuff just to act as a communication aid. Um, I think that, I think probably sound and probably projector are probably the core ones that I would think that even the smallest churches probably have. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think past that, it becomes, um, that's where it starts to get blurry for me. And I think when we're thinking about this topic, I think we have to start thinking about what's the point of it all. Um, you kind of mentioned, that at least in our our uh, um, our youth space we try to you're you're trying to create a space to limit distraction and to what were what were the other things you said if you remember
0: uh want to limit dis- distraction and make it engaging make you know, it the engaging. most effective of so a space so
1: i guess one thing i was thinking about was why do we feel this need to make it quote unquote engaging mm-hmm. should we have that need I don't know, like, I was thinking about this earlier when we were, when I was just starting to prep for this podcast and stuff and some of the things I might bring up, and I was thinking about, like, we feel this need, like, one of the things that we would say is we're trying to set aside a space and create a space where God can move and where there's less distraction. Does God need that space? Does God need us to, to create space for Him to move? I, I I don't think the answer is necessarily no on one hand, but at the same time, it feels like, do, do we need to do that? Obviously God can do whatever he wants. And he met Moses in the desert with a burning bush. Yeah. Like he doesn't need, he can do whatever he wants, obviously. But why is this such a prevalent thing within the church where we feel like we need to create these engaging spaces with engaging lights?
0: Do we need to do that? Well, And I think that, starts to divide the conversation in a really healthy spot because engagement. So, you know, for me, when I would say we want to create an engaging space, I would say, I usually mean a space that is easy to engage within. So not necessarily saying I want to have, I mean, our, our setup is pretty basic. Yeah. You know, it's a very basic setup for the most part. Um, we at one point were going to add in haze, like some things like that. We didn't end up doing it partly just because I we didn't order a machine and like just things like that. So like there's certain things we could have added. We didn't. The space has a pretty simple LED, some spotlight, stuff like that. So I want to make sure it's an easy space to engage within. Sure. I don't necessarily want the space to engage you, if that makes sense. Sure. And I think maybe that's, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say, hey, look at me. I, I have it all figured out as a youth pastor. But I think that maybe starts to become where the line can be blurred, where we start to look and we start to not just say, are we creating a space, you know, hey, Why should we have the lights turned down a little bit during worship sometimes? Why is that something a lot of churches do? Well, it's because you're not really worried about the person next to you seeing how you're acting or they're not paying attention to you then. And it helps you then be able to focus forward onto the lyrics on the screen and the worship team leading you. So you're helping them engage, but are you blacking out the room doing the, you know, the spotlights with the, Oh, what is it? I literally just want to say laser light show, but there's the units where it'll like shoot down all the motion lights and stuff. Like, are you doing that because you want the space to be engaging and because it's going to engage the person right? or are you wanting them to have a space where they can engage with the worship, the, the action taking place. And again, I'm not trying to say if a church has that, it innately makes it bad, but you know, I think, Creating space does not necessarily look like us saying, God, I am going to create the perfect space for you to be, but it is important to create time, which I would call space interchangeably, for people to engage and for God to move because it is important that we have that time of focus. You know, of looking and saying, God, we are here, we are present, we want to hear what you have to say, we want to um, engage with you, will you engage with us, and we know you want to, so God, we just present ourselves ready, you know? Right. I think that is a healthy view of engagement, whereas, again, if it is, we are going to dazzle people with our light show and our environment, and, you know, I remember I heard a church, which... uh I don't, I don't think this is a terrible statement, but it's an interesting one is they were like being criticized by some people within their congregation for how um, extravagant their stage design was and how many lights they had and all of these different things. And the guy looked and he said, you know what? If Beyonce can have an amazing light show at her concerts, Jesus deserves an even better one. And like in part, I understand the statement.
1: Right. Well, like I think there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I just don't think that that needs to be a week in week out type of situation. Cause even like, and and I'm not saying this as in also I'm going to preface this with, I am not a lights guy. I'm a sound guy. I, I, I'm, I'm not a sound tech, but like but I'm a, I'm a musician. See. I care way more about sound than I do lights. LED walls. I could care less for personally. I know they look fantastic. I don't know if they really do. They look good to me whenever I've seen one, but I'm going to be predisposed to feeling like they're not necessary. So let me just start there. But like, not to say that our church is perfect by any means at all. In the past, we've done like a Christmas show where it's a Christmas performance with different types of carols and hymns and stuff. We used to call it Christmas of Bethany. We've done it a little less now. Um, But when I was a kid, it was a pretty big thing and it was a big production with an orchestra and everything like that. And there were lights and there. It was this big production. It was a once a year thing. Yeah. Christmas anyway. And we probably had something similar for Easter at the time, but you know what I mean? Like a once in a while thing that makes sense. I didn't mean to cut you off, but sorry, what were you saying?
0: No, I mean, just this idea of Jesus deserves the very best we can offer. And, you know, I think there's merit to it, but there's a lot of times we do stuff in the name of Jesus. And it's really in the name of insert whoever's ego. Like, in all honesty, like, you know, we look at people and we say, hey, in the name of Jesus, like, we're going to build this building. We're going to bring in these people. We're going to have uh, this production type of a thing take place in the name of Jesus. That's really, really cool. And you know what? Your heart, it might be the best heart in the world for it. The way that it could come across is... Look at us! Pretty cool, aren't we? Well, yeah, totally. And it's like,
1: like the, the statement you said, if Beyonce deserves a light show, like, yeah. that, then Jesus does too. Like, That's assuming that Jesus likes all the same things that you do. That's true. And you're kind of just like, well, I like lights, so Jesus must like lights, not the trash on whoever it is you're talking about. But, um, yeah, it's kind of assuming that whatever we like and whatever dazzles us that Jesus will like the same thing. But like on the other hand, like when it comes to creating spaces and stuff, you have things in the Bible, like the temple and the various plans that went into that and the tabernacle. And like when it comes to like the construction of the tabernacle, and I think the temple too, I don't remember quite right. The first temple Solomon's temple, but uh, like the tabernacle, if you look in the Bible in, uh, I forget which of the, Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. Look at those fancy Bible words. Um, the first five books. Of the yeah, <laughs> where God's outlining exactly like it's very detailed, exactly what he wants and how he wants it put together and like down to the exact measurements of how far apart things need to be and those things, types of things. God obviously cares about those things in those situations. Same thing with the temple and then his instructions for that. Did he provide instructions for the temple? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember if he did or not.
0: Um, honestly, right now I can't fully remember. Okay, but well, for sure the tabernacle. For
1: sure there was very specific.
0: The temple does have very specific instructions and in how it was built and formed.
1: Right. Um, but... Yeah. So it, it, it is interesting because obviously in some parts of the Bible, God cares a lot about those things. I don't really know why he likes, why, why do you think, and obviously we only know God so well, but
0: in oh, terms like, of these types of things, so why do you think he does temple? care
1: about those things?
0: I mean, like for the temple, I think it was partly to depict his holiness. Same with the tabernacle. It's depicting his holiness, that he's a holy God. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultimately, also, it's a glorious moment with between in the story of Jesus when you know the curtain to the Holy of Holies is torn. And, like, so in some ways, why does he do this giant ornate thing? Because there's this moment that he shows us, Guess what? I'm no longer separated. I was contained in this space, but now I am with you. And, like, it's this beautiful moment. Um, I also do think there is a reality, like, God does deserve good things. Totally, yeah. You know, we could look back on, and we've talked about this before a little bit, but we could look back on cathedrals and things like that. Why were those built? They were built to glorify God. You walk into a cathedral, why are the ceilings so high? Because God is high and lifted up. He is mighty. He is vast. You walk into the room and you're almost... The most, like, atheistic of a person can walk into a cathedral and look and just be like this this is pretty cool. Yeah. Immaculate. There's something awesome about this room. Like not in a, like, Hey, that's awesome. Like, but in like an awesome, like I'm astounded by this type of thing. Right.
1: It inspires those feelings.
0: And that was intentional. It was for people to walk in and to look and look and say, wow, look at the awesome God. This building is built to worship. Right. And so you have that you even have, I guess, in terms of production very quickly, like, You know, stained glass, things like that. Why was stained glass used? It was you had illiterate people who were being communicated to by their priest who then knew gists of stories and things like that. But they then could look to the stained glass within the cathedral and that sort of a thing, and they could see depicted in the glass the stories of the Bible. So somebody could sit down um, to pray. They could sit down within the church, and they could look up at the glass, and they could remember and say, oh, that is the moment that Mary was visited. That was the moment that Jesus ascended. That was the moment. And they could go through and see stories of the scriptures depicted through the stained glass. Right. You know, so a lot, I think a lot of people would argue, they would say, well, our lights and our, you know, audio and our production, that is our modern stained glass. And I think that's where it comes down to in some ways, are we using it to actually amplify someone's ability to see God in the moment. Does that make sense? Like when it comes to a lot of the older views of production stuff, even like you said, projectors, right? Projectors. Why? Cause we need to see the words to songs, things like that. Right. That was a hymnal it used to be the hymnal it used to be having a hymn book before that. It used to be, common psalms and things like that. Like, you know, the Jewish people having their psalms that they could go and they could sing and they knew them. Why? Because they'd been taught them from young age and it was repeated and repetitious. And it was these things they would sing out. And so for us today, we have our hymnal. We have our our psalm book where we are able to look and we're able to see a screen now that gives us the depiction of it. One thing I will say really quick that I always find ironic that preachers do is they will say, open up in your Bibles, but if you don't have it, you can just look to the screen green like nobody brings their bibles to church anymore
1: yeah fun fact there's a church have you ever been to evergreen community church down in olympia i've not been there but i know of it it's pretty it's pretty cool i, I like how they do their services i forget my grandparents went there for what for a while when they lived in olympia and uh one of the things they do i forget the head pastor's name but th- whatever scripture they're going over they have bibles like in they have pews still which that's sentimental but um, and then they have hymn books and they, they do modern worship songs, yeah. but, uh, and they also have Bibles and whenever they get to the part of the sermon where they're going over the scripture, everybody grabs the Bible and he has everybody stand up and they all read it loud. Yeah. Still so for the reading of the word. Yeah. Which the, the, you know, more traditional Christian part of me, like that warms my heart a little bit. Yeah. I like that part, but like, and maybe that's just me and my upbringing and stuff like that, that I like that stuff. Uh, but
0: I like the standing yeah. for the reading of the word. I do not do it within youth, but that's something I very much so enjoy. Cause again, it's supposed to be giving reverence to it. We have so, so like this is the tension that comes up in this conversation. Okay. So there are times that we make production too big of a deal. There are also times that we limit the amount of glory God deserves. And people could look and they could say, well, he's glorified in so many things. Like uh, this even goes into a conversation that we do not need to tangent to right now, where people will say, you know, it might be like, Hey, are you telling people about Jesus? Right? Are you sharing your faith with people? They say, I represent Christ in everything I do. That's super Cool. Have you told somebody that you love Jesus and they should know about him? Or have you just been a nice person who didn't cuss somebody out? Right. Like, and we end up looking and we end up saying, "Why well, represent Jesus and everything I do. In a similar way, I think at times within churches, and again, it's this balance. And I don't know if we're going to find the perfect balance of it. Probably at the end of the day, it's about the heart. And we have to know our heart and we have to know our desire. We have to know what is what is a good desire of means what's being responsible and what's also walking in the creativity of God because God is creative but God deserves glory he deserves to be worshiped he deserves to be given our best with that said yeah here we go we do not then need to go and say Jesus is our rock star who gets who needs to have the smoke and lights of everything. Now, I am not saying that I'm against haze and services. I am. It irritates my eyes. I'm sorry. We should pray for you to have your eyes feel I better. I was at a concert the other Because Jesus this week, needs the haze. I was, wow, that sounds bad.
1: Um, I was at a concert earlier this week and they had haze and uh, my throat was so dry by the end of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And my eyes were irritated and my brother was coughing and he has asthma. I was irritated. I was peeved. I'm going to leave a negative review. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to anyway. Cause you but, still loved the show, dude. I, I can get into it another time. Cause
0: you would sit through a concert with oh Hayes, gosh. but not through a church service. Cause where are your priorities at? I'm joking. Sorry. That was a dumb joke. I'm, I'm not there for a show. I know.
1: Um, um No, but uh,
0: I feel like. Really quick, really quick. Go ahead. ahead. That was a quick peek into me and Parker's relationship and how we will joke with each other. Continue on. I like that you needed to, like, title this. This is one of our first, like, (laughs) this is one of our first podcasts. I don't want people to think there's, like, some unspoken tension. This
1: is a peek into Caleb and Parker's life. Exactly. All right, continue that. Caleb and Parker in the wild in their natural
0: habitat. Anyway. And this is another peak continue. Continue. <laughs> Uh anyway, uh, yeah, I um,
1: yeah, I get what you're saying in terms of that we want there's we um there's the aspect of it that we just want to glorify God. And we talked about it in another podcast like what we want in a service is that we want it to glorify God and we also want it to serve the people and serve the congregation. There's the aspect of it that if we were just the only goal, was to glorify God, yeah, we would probably put on a massive show. Like, if if we were just performing, like, from the perspective of um, doing worship uh, and that and the lights and sound that go with that, if, like, if God was in the audience, and he is in the audience, but, like, if he was our only audience member, obviously we would put on a massive show, obviously. Um, That being said... Like, we'd go crazy with lights. We'd go crazy with, like, all the licks we want to do and and riffs that we'd want to play and all this stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, also our role is to guide um, our congregation in worship and create space for them to worship and create a space where they easily uh, feel comfortable and know the songs. That's helpful. Um, And feel free to worship in whatever way that they feel like they need to worship. Yeah, And I mean, we could get more into that too, but, um, but this is a quick side thing. Like from a musician standpoint, like there's this thing that we, um, that's really relevant in, um, within worship music, but also in other genres too. But, um, where you, you, you're, you always want to play less a lot of the times, like you never, it's this weird thing where you just, you don't want to show off. You don't want to be, quote unquote, distracting. Um, and so it's like this attitude of less is more in a way, which when you're creating a a, a worship atmosphere that's not distracting, it is not a, like attracting attention to you, that makes sense. On the other hand, I, I was watching this video that was a, it was a jazz musician that he hates Christian contemporary music. He's not a Christian. Um, he's probably, he'd probably categorize himself as agnostic, I would say, but like, Um, and he, the video was about, he was going to force himself to listen to Christian contemporary music for like two weeks to see if he could like learn to like it. Um, and from a jazz musician's perspective, he was like, well, if like the point is like glorifying God, wouldn't you want like more sophisticated music? Wouldn't you want to like, like lift his name on high in that way? But like, that's not the only role. The role is also from a, worship ministry standpoint of leading worship, you're supposed to be leading worship as well. It's not necessarily just you worshiping God. Like the way I worship God with my piano at home is very different than the way I would play on stage. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just different in a way.
0: You know, I will say, I think you just gave the best argument for somebody who does want to have their worship services be a little bit more showy in that they would just say we perform for an audience of one and we want yeah. to glorify God today. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, I think this is the tension I do walk in when it comes to worship, because especially when it comes to musically within worship, I think there are settings. There's just being from pastoral kind of setting. I think there are settings that should be simple, you know, for our, Youth ministry, again, this is a youth context, but I think it also does apply a lot of times for a larger church context. Um, If we're doing a response time, I never really want the whole band back up. Yeah, It's just keys and somebody singing because the moment in that that we are creating or curating or trying to cultivate whatever word you want to use. We're not manipulating it, but we're just trying to help foster and help make sure stays relevant within that time. Um, None of those words do that moment justice. We want to have a time to respond to what the Lord's doing. We don't want additional things added. We just want a space for people to reflect, to be able to worship, to be able to um, listen for what God is saying, be prayed for. Yeah. And so that most simply in my opinion, looks like piano and somebody singing in simple choruses, that kind of a thing. Now, when it comes to within worship, I love people being able to express themselves creatively through music from the stage to the congregation on behalf of the Lord. You know, like looking at it through this lens of like, I think it's really cool and a worship sound just sounds really cool. Like I love the idea. One thing I'd actually love for our youth ministry to be able to do is to do recompositions of songs. So looking to certain songs, like one that we always joke about is set a fire. Um, cause I love that song, but it's just cause it's simple. It's a simple prayer. If in your life as a Christian every day you wake up, and this is not the only prayer you say, but you make sure to say, God, can you set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control? I just want more of you. If you can say that prayer and mean it, like that is weight. Like that's a weighty thing to say. Totally. So that's why I love that song. But like, man, I love the idea. Like, what if we took that and then we let our students, we said, like, recompose it. Like add a new mix to this, add a new style to this, like hey, Noah Green, like bring about um, a new electric line for it. Like, let's have this just like, let's just run with it and have fun with it and have fun worshiping in this way. Right. So I think there's a balance on both ends because I mean, I'll also say this when it comes to production, one thing. I vehemently despise but I understand why we need them. I hate tracks with a passion. I hate them because I do not like that like if in a moment somebody's like, we need to interrupt this moment, we're we're having to fumble around with a track to stop it or to change it or to alter it. I feel so like, I remember when I was at Northwest university down in Kirkland and I was leading prayer and I was, uh, on our, I was on our campus men team and our campus pastor at the time, Christian Dawson, amazing pastor, mentor, friend, all that. I love him. Uh, we had a couple of different nights on Monday nights where I would just look over and just be like, and that was when we would have this prayer and worship gathering. And I would just look over and be like, all right can we just like flow out of it and like have it be soft and all just kind of come up when it makes sense. And like, we can then just kind of ramp back into the song just to have this moment be just a very impactful moment of prayer. He's like, well, we're on a track. I hate tracks. Like I just want us to be able to lead through that moment. Now I understand that we could say, well, it helps the band be more full. It helps us to be able to have more technical parts of songs that we couldn't have in other ways. I'm like, let's, like, I just want us to be able to worship and bring what we can to the table.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I agree with what you're saying to a point. I think for me, it's less of we want it to sound full and more of that we have entirely volunteers for our band members. Totally. And so for me, it's... um, from the perspective of me from, and again, I entirely understand the value of tracks. I entirely understand the value of doing songs with no tracks. I love both. Um, from a volunteer standpoint. And again, I'm going to say this, but I think it's, I mean, this in no, in no way, any offense in any way, shape or form. And I very well could be totally wrong. Um, but I feel like, of the standard volunteer positions in a church obviously you have different ministries within that like at our church we have various ministries that minister to the community different needs that we have homeless type situations other other areas of need within our community that people volunteer yeah. in but within the standard volunteer positions within a regular church service we the position of a, a worship team player the amount of hours that we ask them to do stuff is the highest amount of hours throughout a given week. Yes. That being said, I don't know. I I, I could go on. I could go on this for a long no, no, time. No, no, like,
0: com- complete complete it.
1: I know. I'm going to. Uh, I'm just deciding how far I want to go.
0: But all the way,
1: <laughs> all the way. There's a part of it that. I don't know. I struggle with it sometimes because on one hand, it is a responsibility and it's a privilege to be in that position. I think that's the way I think of it personally. Um, It is a privilege that I have the opportunity to help lead our congregation in worship and help guide them in singing to the Lord and glorifying God. That is an amazing opportunity. And I treat it like that throughout the week. That being said, it is sometimes, like, it, 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 it's a big job. If you want to do it well, it's a big job. Like, to me, like, like even if I was the type of person where I could just, like, go and without any practice, just, like, go out guns blazing on my piano, like, with no preparation, that'd be great. But, like, even if I was that type of person, I would want to be giving it my best. And for me, I know in my heart giving it my best for my god means i prepare during the week.
0: So how many so let's say you have a 3 set, sure. which is pretty average. How many hours of practice not ideally but typically do you put in at home
1: throughout the week? Cuz i mean I, I i don't necessarily i'm not the type of this goes into practicing philosophies but um for me i probably practice within like 15, 20 minute segments throughout the week. Um, total each day, probably. Well, maybe not each day, but, um, so typically I would probably spend probably like in total, a couple hours. It's
0: like three hours.
1: Let's say, let's say, let's say, yeah. And that's, and that's also, that's not just playing my instrument for MDing. That's also listening to the songs like nonstop and knowing the songs inside and out. And granted, my, the role I do is a little different than what your standard just, you know, somebody who just plays an instrument, it is a little different because I have to know the in- songs inside and out. I need to know yeah. the chord progressions um, so that I can do my job well of guiding the band well um, and knowing what will work dynamically. And like, if we want to do a change, where would be a good place to do that change, et cetera.
0: So now going back then with tracks and things like that, a part of it is because it could fill in spots that are missed, right? In a song.
1: Well, from a volunteer yes, but from a volunteer standpoint, we're at a position in in our church where we do have we could probably use more instrumentalists and stuff, but we are in a position where we have some of everything at the moment. But there are churches who can't, who don't have that volunteer base. Totally. And like even us as a church, like when it comes to like one of the things that we've talked about um and bounce back and forth between on is do we want to implement a midweek rehearsal there's a lot of churches that do a midweek rehearsal and the times for certain services that we have done that we've performed so much better um and in that we go further into this at another point too but like when you're more prepared and you are performing well easily it allows you to have space where you can actually lead If you're too busy worried about the notes you're playing, you're not leading.
0: Well, and you're just pressing keys. Totally. And I think the thing for me then though, is like, so like, let's say with, with tracks and things like that. So you don't have an electric player at your church. So you use a track that has the electric lead line put into it along with your click and that sort of a thing that this would, this would be my thought. Then you're just not a church with an electric player.
1: Yes, the the thing with that, I agree with what you're saying. I think some songs it's easier to do that with others.
0: Well, if then, you want
1: a fast, celebratory type song, it is difficult to do with like just a piano, I think personally.
0: So, this would be my this is this is my thing though. We did it forever. And then we got tracks. The church with only an organ player was able to do it forever. And then we got, for and again, I'm not saying we need to get rid of tracks. I'm just saying in terms of creativity within a church and the expectation for worship, and this is where the production level thing, I think for me, is playing into it a little bit. We do not need this. The song does not need to sound like the way it was recorded. I agree. Yeah. And that sort of a deal. And I think sometimes we look at it and we say, well, oh, but it intros with this like really hard, electric line at the start and that's an awesome spot of the song or things like that, or it's saying we want to make it more full, but what if it just was like, we're going to do the song in a way that reflects our community where we're at, like for youth right now, we're doing an acoustic set this week because we don't have a drummer and I don't think we have an electric guitar player. So instead of doing a track that would insert an electric, can I also just say when you don't have an instrument up there and you can hear it, it does show <laughs> like, so like there's been times like I've been at, oh, yeah, totally. And, and again, I'm not trying to knock people. Like, you know, you go up and like, you don't have a drummer, but you can, you, you're like, this is a sweet drummer they have. And you look in the drum case and you're like, there's no drummer there. Yeah. So it's a, an- it's a blessing to have that track, but it's not a reflect. It's a reflection more so of, we want to try to play a complete song at times. Then I think, you know, leading worship in a way that's saying our community is coming together to lead this moment. Again, our church uses tracks. our youth ministry pays for tracks. I'm not against them necessarily. I do think that when we're towing that line of production or not, if we are saying we must have this so that we can do it is the moment the production is start. It's kind of like the idea of uh, the tail wagging the dog. So like when you end up having a dog go and it's like wagging its tail and stuff you're like oh the dog's happy like that sort of a thing but when the stuff that makes the dog happy starts to make the dog move you're like what the heck is going on so in the same way tracks can help amplify worship but when tracks are dictating worship i think that's when it starts yeah. to become a really important conversation totally and i think um
1: i think it also has a lot to do with what point in your worship ministry you guys are because it all it depends on what level of skill your um musicians are at if you have like tracks are nice when you're training an instrument like when you're training somebody on for the first time on worship like if they don't know what to do it's it's nice to have that, you know what I mean? And they're just and I think there's value in that for just getting people exposed and getting totally. people involved. Like like one example, um I think tracks is a really good um like item to kind of focus on for this type of thing. Um and uh um but uh like for example, like elevation, I think they're a really good example of doing the type of songs that speak to them. I think they're not the type of songs I would want to do in our congregation. Nothing against them. They do have, they're a little bit more sophisticated um, musically. Um, They have a lot of more like sort of gospel-ish roots, musically speaking. I think it's what it reminds me of. Um, But another example of them is like all of their instrument players are hired. So there's a, there is a reason to expect a certain level of proficiency from them. Um, but I, anyway, that being said, working with volunteers, um, I think it is valuable to have those tracks and I get what you're saying, though. I totally hear your want for flexibility and I totally hear that.
0: Well, it's not even necessarily flexibility, but like, I'll use this as an example and, uh, you're part of the example, so you can disagree with it if you want to. But like for you and Kennedy, um, Kennedy is also one of our, is our worship uh, pastor basically for our youth ministry. And you and her do stuff together constantly and stuff. Sure. And usually I'll ask you to come up to play keys at the end of a service. And then Kennedy might come up to sing and that sort of thing. Usually she would come up to sing, or she'll play in and, and sing if you're not able to be there. And so I don't usually prep you guys with like, here's what the response song no, should be. No, you do not. And usually, and I honestly have had a couple of times I've asked for very random songs the night of. That you have. I do, I do always, and I do mean it every time. I say, if we can't do it, it's okay. But usually you guys end up figuring it out or like you'll throw together like, oh, we're going to do this. And then we can transition to this song and that sort of a thing. Right. Here's the thing I love about those moments. It is expensive and I'm not saying that I'm doing it, but I'm saying that kind of a moment does help for you and Kennedy. It is expanding you guys as worship leaders. Oh yeah, totally. Because you're having to lean into this, just how are we going to lead through this moment? This is what we're being given to do it. So here's how we can do it. I think every moment could be like that when you don't have the luxury of things like tracks, because you would be looking at somebody like falling on your face, is one of the best things to help you realize, how could I have done that better? And so like in some ways, when it comes to worship also, or sound, running a media table, running a light system, preaching, any of these things when it comes to production, until you have the room to actually figure out, what can I really do? I can kind of stretch out a little bit. I can reach out. It's hard to see what truly creatively you can achieve and have take place. And so I think for a lot of churches when it comes to production, a reason why the production, even the media around it can feel so disingenuous is it is so boxed in. It's, okay, we got this track playing that ensures our song will end in four minutes and 32 seconds. And then our light cue is triggered that's going to put us into our next song that's five minutes and six seconds. And then that one's going to lead us into our tagline that's going to perfectly have this crossfade that goes into this. And it's so polished that there's no human touch on it necessarily, even though people are helping make it happen, right? Um, This is even to say, and I will say, I'm personally not always the best person when it comes to thinking about like volunteers and that sort of a thing. Because, so like, um, this is a silly example. I'm a pastor, I'm on staff, I'm paid. I get that, all these things, right? But like, so for um, our main gathering two weeks ago, I got to preach in our main service. Very different than volunteering for worship. So I'm wanting to make sure that's established. But I spent probably, uh, I found out about the message about a month and a half in advance. So I had six weeks um probably up until two weeks out, I had spent about five, six hours working through it. Um, then I really honed down my writing, took time to do that. Once I was done completing writing the message, I spent probably a solid four and a half hours preaching through it time and time and time again. It was about a 35, 40-minute message. Um with that, then I showed up and I delivered the message and delivered it slightly different than I practiced and that sort of a thing, but I was comfortable with the content and that sort of a thing. And it helped me deliver um, a coherent message that from what it sounds like was impactful for a number of people and that sort of a thing. I think one of the things that we can do for our volunteers when it comes to worship production, you know, let's talk like even thinking, think about a Christmas season type thing, that kind of a deal, being able to look to our media staff and saying, Hey, in July, we want to let you guys know, this is what we're kind of envisioning. Can you dream about it? Can you have fun with it? And then that media team, they put together an amazing Christmas morning type of a feeling at your service and they're proud of it. Cause they're like, look, look what our hands did. Look what our minds helped create to be able to help bring glory to this moment. In a similar way, I would look to our worship team and say, okay, can we have our schedule out? And this is a lot. And so maybe it's not realistic. Can we have our schedule out six months in advance? There are churches that do that. And you give your team so much time that then you could look like, let's say, let's say Parker, you know that you're, you play a lot for the church, but you go through a lot of the songs. So like if they looked and they said in the next six months, here are the 18 songs that we'll be playing through in a variety of orders throughout those Sundays. And then you're able to look and see the particular ones for when you're scheduled at that point, if you showed up and let's say – and you you wouldn't do this, but let's say you showed up and you're so Ill, ill-prepared. ill You somehow don't know one of the songs and you walk in and you're like, guys, like I just – I can't do it. This I don't know what's going on. I'm so – like Danny would probably look at you. Our worship pastor would look and be like, Parker, we're four months into a six-month schedule. I gave you a lot yeah, of time. And like be like, I worked hard to make sure you had that time. Like you could have let me know sooner. So again, I'm not saying – that we should expect even more of our volunteers. I think we could set them up though, to have the ability to be even, to be best prepared that they possibly can.
1: Totally. I think that, um, I guess what I'm saying, what I was saying about the tracks is that it just lightens the load a little bit. That being said, like, I think we do, I think we do a good job of this. Granted, I'm not really somebody that recruits for worship for the worship team that much, but um I do think a big part of worship team recruiting is being really honest what the expectations are up yeah. front. And that being said, they are like, I wouldn't say they're necessarily like high, but they're, they're up there, you know what I mean? We, we want to do our absolute best with everything. So um that being said, like, I do think that it is, really great when churches and worship ministries um, respect that um, that volunteer by giving them all the resources totally. that they need. And I think that's what you're saying. Yes. And I think, like, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the YouTube channel is um, that uh, talked about this. I forget. It's not it, – it might be worship online. I forget. but um, But they had a video – this video I saw, they were talking about how they structure their scheduling yeah. and stuff like that. They're a little bit bigger Richardson than ours is. So they're, they're just a little different, but they schedule their set lists out months in advance. And some people like they don't like that because they're like, Oh, well I want the spirit to be moved in and I want it to be like, have like have context in the time that we're doing the set list at the same time. The Holy Spirit can move six months before, and you can always
0: change it. Yeah, you can always change you know, it. No one's gonna be really offended to. when you say no. Jesus said we should change this song.
1: Right, right. But like, uh, so yeah, I have never understood why some worship leaders their set lists come out so much later than others. And granted, that is coming from me, who is somebody that likes stuff to be rehearsed totally and like like the this is one like me working with you a lot like and really just pastors in general but maybe not rob but like just learning to be out of my comfort zone of wanting to be totally rehearsed like i am just my personality is like i want to have everything absolutely down before not that we can't change things but like there's been times in worship nights and stuff like that where like I'm MDing and like one thing if you guys don't play keys or pay attention to that type, this type of stuff the keys player never stops playing ever as if you're on the stage you're playing at all times and so like there's been times where I've been MDing and playing keys and then Danny our worship pastor will come up to me and like be trying to whisper several things in my ear at the same time I'm trying to keep the right tempo of what I'm playing and like uh and at the same time, trying to listen to what he's saying, and then now I have to say what he's saying, and maybe like three or four changes come about yep. that I have to explain. At the same time, keeping the same tempo, playing in the same key, and you know, make playing a progression that makes musical sense. And it is challenging, but it is healthy, I think, to yeah. push myself in that way. Um, I don't know where I went
0: yeah.
1: from that, but... Well, you know, um, one
0: of my hopes is even for like, because you and I have joked, not joked. I mean, it's a serious thing. Like if I was ever to go places for being able to help preach or speak or things like that, I just want to be able to have it where if you're able to join along with me, it's like sure, yeah. we could walk up and I'd be able to look over and it's like a head nod of we know each other. Yeah. What kind of song yeah, fits this? No, totally. But like um, kind of wrapping us just a little bit, I think both of us would agree Then, when it comes to production, there's obviously a fine line of what is glorifying God and what is glorifying the ego of the person. You know, if there's times that we say, I want to do a big thing just because I want it, you know, that sort of thing. I want our church to look so amazing, but ultimately if we're doing it to glorify God, there is a goodness to that. And when it comes to production, we do not want it to ever be handicapping or hindering God being glorified. So if it's a resource to help amplify the, ability, like tracks can be for many communities and things like that, that is great. If it becomes a handicap, that's something to talk about, right? Um, But ultimately media, lights, things like that can be a blessing, can be very, very good. And we don't want them to be a distraction. But is that kind of same page you think?
1: Yeah, I totally think so. I think that, yeah, I think it all comes back to that we want our services to be glorifying God and we want them to be serving our people. And I think that we want to be glorifying god and glorifying him musically and with our lights and all that stuff and creating a space that um that glorifies him at the same time we want to be serving our communities totally. and be serving our congregations totally. so creating a space that serves them like like what we talked about before, what i mentioned before elevations music is a very like obviously it's re- it's pretty popular but at the same time it's not the type of music that every congregation is going to be using in their set list because it's a type of music that speaks to their congregation really well and not necessarily everybody else's. It's great music to listen to and like it's great Christian music to listen to, but it's not necessarily going to be implemented in everybody's set lists. Um, that being said, I think that does to wrap that up that we just want it to be
0: glorifying God and serving our people. Exactly. So on that note, we just want to say thank you guys for joining us on this conversation being able to listen to us a little bit about it. Um, Hey, if you want to shoot us a message or leave a review, let us know. Do you guys like it going a little bit longer and formatting and things like that? A little bit deeper discussion. Uh, We would love to know, but we appreciate you guys checking this out. Share the episode with a friend if you think they would enjoy it, and we will talk to you guys again next week.